What's up, guys? This is Margin Call Media, where money's made, but mostly lost. Thank you for tuning in, and let's get liquidated, baby. Good morning, and welcome back to Margin Call Media. Today is the 10th. It is Thursday. Uh, a lot of good news coming out today, or I guess maybe not good news, but a lot of news coming out today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the market where it's at, jobless claims, uh, the new report that came out, the real estate market, and maybe a few more things along the way today. Yeah, I kind of give you our background um, from Nate being in real estate, me being in corporate finance. We can kind of give you the breakdown, weekly breakdown going on there, and then uh, what we're seeing in the market. So just mm -hmm. jump right into it, man. What are you seeing? Yeah, uh, so I think in the past week or so, we're really starting to see the effects of uh, the coronavirus economy and what it's doing to the landlords and to investors and to people who've thrown a lot of money, especially into like multifamily properties. Yeah. Uh, I just pulled up something I was just reading about in, this is both between the Bay Area and you can see it throughout from the West Coast to the East Coast. It's not like it's pocketed to one specific area. Um, I mean, our, our two biggest markets are in California and New York Yeah. Uh, for, for real estate at least. And we're, we just saw it in, the Bay Area, uh, I think three new groups have all filed for Chapter 11. Um, so they're filing for bankruptcy uh, because they're defaulting on their loans. Because we have all of these people who've been developing, right? There's been tons of new developments, which has been good. That's usually a sign of a good, growing, healthy economy. Uh, and all of that was going on. You could see, you could really see it last year in construction costs. Uh, the, the, I mean, for me, we've been doing a roofing project. The price to scaffold has almost quadrupled between yeah. 2016 and 2019 at the end of the year. Uh, it was in, insane. Uh, but that was just because everyone was building, everyone was doing all this stuff. And so there's all this new building going on where they would eventually be making money, right? or they would have already had it built and now they'd be making money because it'd be full and they'd have all these people paying rent every month. Now that's not happening. So now you've got all these people who felt it and they're just sitting there with their kind of their dicks in their hand going, oh shoot, we haven't had anybody in these for six months. I think seven, that's, that brings up months. such a interesting, I mean, in kind of the lending and like the, the development side of things from, from what I'm seeing is um, investors won't, won't even touch they won't even touch office space. So if somebody says, yeah. Hey, we're trying to build an office space. They're like, yeah, you are out of your mind. I had someone literally tell me that yesterday. Yeah. I said, what classes are you looking at? And what classes um, will you not even consider? He's like, uh, somebody's out of their mind right now to bring anyone office spaces. And this was an investor that had hundred, I think 150 million. Mm -hmm. So, so he knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, you're out of your mind. And then I said, okay, anything else? And he said hospitality, which means yeah. um, um, hotels, hotels yeah. and, and things like that. And he's like, anybody brings any type of hospitality, they're out of their mind. The, they're considering with developers that are really experienced things like uh, multifamily, but they have to be really experienced developers. They're really skeptical on the unit sizes right now. So for you guys, that aren't aware it used to be a little bit easier it was easier to do you know uh fund 200 unit properties over something that might be 10 units 
it was way easier. Whereas now it's completely opposite. A lot of them are very skeptical on 200 units. Are you sure you're going to be there? How are you going to feel that mm. you need to pretty much show them your game plan mm. on getting it rented out and, but yeah, all the demographics, unit, but 10, be, yeah. 10 unit, they'll do it like immediately. Yeah. Where, so, so it's kind of switched there for sure. Yeah. At least from, from what I've seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're looking at our largest markets, I mean, in New York, I think they did maybe 6.9 billion in uh, investor sales so far this year, which sounds like a lot. If you're someone who doesn't do real estate, that sounds fantastic. But if you do real estate, that's down, I think, 40% from last year, which is that's just a massive tank. Yeah. Like that's a huge drop in, and, and that's money that's going into the economy. It's money that's going into ta like taxes, all this different stuff is happening. Uh, that's just not moving around. And I, I think it's really interesting, uh, especially with school and school being closed and a lot of people not like opting to not go to school, uh, staying in other places. A lot of people in New York are renting and you don't have that big portion of renters now because yeah. a lot of families rent and will go to New York and rent and stay in well, school. Especially a lot of those people in New York, man, I'll say, Hey, I'm going to work remote now. Why the hell would I yeah, live well, in the yeah, city exactly, that I'm paying exactly. so much money? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. kind of where I'm sitting or mm -hmm. where my thought is with it. Um, mm -hmm. And then another interesting thing, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you unstabilize land, you're looking at like 4% interest rate. So, so this is for a developed new developed project, 4% mm -hmm. on stabilized multifamily from, from um, private lenders. Mm -hmm. But then it's a huge jump for construction, ground up construction. You're looking at like seven to 8% is decent. Um, you're hitting it. Like you just got a killer deal at 6.5, which that's that's pretty that's kind of high if you look at last year yeah last yeah. year so but people have to realize that and i think a lot of developers are still kind of like in shock like why would i pay those type of rates why would i pay that rate so they're they're mad at rates that they're paying but don't realize where, where the investors are really sitting right now yeah yeah and i think that that's that's one of the causes is uh we're sitting there and a lot of people are just sitting on the fence and wait because they're like well, well i'll just wait until things start to recover next year people will start to do this yada 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 and i think they've been doing that for so long that now we're really starting to see those uh the effects of that of everyone just sitting and waiting because no one's jumping on the ball i mean usually you you have something like a 2000 like when 2008 happened 2000 happened all these crazy 87 um everyone kind of jumps on things like it crashes stops all this money starts flowing back into different parts of the economy and different parts of real estate's generally been something that's held strong. I mean, 2008 was the time for real estate to go collapse on itself, it's right? Up. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's literally tits up. up. Uh, but but generally, when the market's going down and things like that, and you get interest rates that drop to to kind of uh, even things out and make money more available, uh, you start to see a lot more people throwing money back into real estate investing. We're not seeing that yet. We're seeing the interest rates way low. Yeah. So it's 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 a negative in the sense of how are we going to sustain low interest rates without just printing money all day, all day, all day? I mean, they're trying to. I know we changed. We talked about this last week. Was the inflation uh, and going from instead of a two percent target, a two percent average target, 
uh, which would which would allow us to raise inflation a little bit more uh, by keeping interest rates low. But I don't know if that's sustainable in any sense. Where we might see after this, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing that what what was it in the two thousands, almost sixteen percent in the nineties and two thousands. Like, well, I'm not going to so, say we see a sixteen percent interest rate. So, but, and, and that, that kind of brings, I had a, an interesting conversation with one of my coworkers the other day who was saying, you know, I don't know, I want to buy a house yet. The, the prices are really high. Yeah, the interest rate is really low, but prices are really high. And I had to kind of make her sit back and say, and look, and, and kind of realize, look, you could pay 450000 for a house and with a high interest rate, you're going to pay more than if you bought a $525,000 house with a low interest rate, mm -hmm. because the interest rate is a long-term 30 year. A lot of people double their more, double what their, the price of their houses, they double that after they pay yeah, their mortgage. Did, yeah. So a lot of people need to sit back and realize like, yeah, the home price might be kind of high right now. That the home price itself is gonna kind of level out. It's the interest rate that you gotta jump on because with a low interest rate, you're keeping low payments throughout the period of that mortgage, as well as you're, you're making sure you're not paying too much in the long term for that house. Mm -hmm. So I think a, a lot of people are kind of have mixed and I, I get that's a really debatable topic. And I get a lot of people have kind of mixed opinions around that right now. They're kind of like, no, I would rather pay less and a little bit higher. But I, I think it's kind of stepping back and taking a look at that long term thing. And I, a lot of people are kind of confused about that too so it's not just the developers that are saying oh our interest rates are high but our we could build low across yeah, building yeah. costs low because we're developers so it's kind of vice versa there where other people are hesitant on on getting however you do have these areas like san diego who in in texas and in nevada and florida that are tennessee that are popping off right everything just going mm -hmm. within days mm -hmm. they, they don't even have a half month supply mm -hmm. of of inventory yeah inventory yeah yeah and for anyone that doesn't quite get what that means right there so we, our our inventory standards um if you if, let's say somebody said there's two months of inventory basically if you stopped putting any new homes on the market and you just put a moratorium and said no new homes can go on only the ones that are on there right now that means within two months all of those homes would all be gone there'd be no homes left on the market to buy and so that that's kind of what we say when we say inventory. So when inventory is really low and you start getting down into the month, couple weeks of inventory, that you're basically, there's nothing. You're just flying off the shelves. When that happens, this is in this simple business, uh, supply and demand. So when the supply is really low, you start to see these really high home prices. And especially when interest rates are low because money is cheap, it's easy to borrow, so more people can borrow a little bit more. So then you get sellers who are sitting there and saying, well, I've got all the time in the world. I've got no pressure on me. I put my home on the market and I get 30 offers and all of these people can raise themselves a little bit higher because money's so cheap to borrow. And you, you start to see that. And then you start to see that multiply. And then you start to see the people who were nervous about putting their home on the market or all the people who did a refinance, yeah. right? So instead of selling, a lot of people were just like, I'll just refi my home. And so they, they refi their mortgage, get a great rate, 
they're paying way less and now they're like, okay, I'll maybe sell it in five more years. Uh, but all of that combined is getting us in this place where, again, wages aren't really moving a lot. Like the average wage isn't, the average salary is not expanding, exploding, but the average home price is expanding and exploding. So you're getting this weird mix match even here. One, I'm not even talking about the people who aren't working right now because eventually people will go back to work, figure something out, right? But those wages have not increased to match what the home prices and home values have. So it's one of those that aren't sustainable, which is why we have markets that ebb and flow and which is why things go up and down because eventually more people are starting to be able to catch up and buy homes. And then you get this big slowdown and you get this ton of homes on the market. And then everyone goes, oh, well, there's 50 to choose from. So now I'm only going to get two or three offers and it's going to take a little bit longer. It might take a month and a half to sell my home, especially when you get the, the higher priced homes, um, higher priced areas. Well, that kind of... I mean, that kind of brings us to an interesting concept of, I know I mentioned wanting to kind of talk a little bit about corporate finance. I mean, home, we have home prices sitting here going, they keep going up and mm -hmm. up and up. Mm -hmm. I mean, homes are going $20,000 over asking, mm -hmm. you know, for average size homes or average homes, right? But yet we have 884,000 jobless, new jobless claims that came out, mm -hmm. right? And it's been said is it is this the first wave of, of layoffs from multiple companies which could be very true being that a lot of companies right now going into their fourth quarter is when they start budgeting for the, the the next year and they a lot of these companies as i mentioned last week are a little hesitant about what was our natural savings and what was mm. um wh what are our expenditures going to be next year mm. so they're already kind of on edge and worried about that now is the time when they would start kind of making those layoffs because they need to budget for next year and make sure that they can start kind of getting ready and, and getting their employees ready for if, if they're going to have lower yeah, people. Yeah, and I yeah. think if these home prices keep going up and up, clearly if jobs are going down or the jobless claims are going up and up, there's kind of a clear... Um, there's that disconnect right there. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's nobody... Obviously, salaries aren't going up. If that's happening, if jobs are getting cut, salaries aren't going up most likely. So I think that's going to be kind of interesting when, you know, maybe six to seven months down the road, this kind of dies off and people go, I can't afford this. Mm -hmm. I can't afford this home. Mm -hmm. Then you got these people that get laid off that say, oh, well, I just bought this home five months ago and when I could afford it mm -hmm. and that things were going well, but. Now I just got laid off and I got to find a new job and going into that new job, I'm not going to get paid the same amount possibly. So I think maybe six, seven months down the road is, is when people are really going to start to feel the effect of yeah. what's going I mean, on. Even in, in my office, and we're not a uh, very residential focused brokerage, most of our stuff is investors, most of our stuff is HOAs, most of our stuff is uh, apartments and, and condominiums. And we've seen a I've even had one of my own clients who was they'd left because they got laid off and that was in the middle of quarantine but those numbers are obviously expanding I mean there's there's got to be a lot more people than just just that one guy who was selling his house because he got laid off and, and moving out of town uh, but I think it opens up a, this is a little bit off topic but it might open up a really interesting uh, economic shift 
where all of those jobs out in the center of the country, you know, you get, a, you get where I want to say rural, but you get this wider range. Uh, I know a lot of people who suddenly just been like, well, I guess I'm a trucker now <laughs> and go out and earn the Midwest and they work for Amazon. They work for these big companies that require trucks to be able to go and, and do all these shipments in, in a day. And I've, I've had a ton of friends who's their parents, if they quit working, ended up working for Amazon. And well, I can see, either, I see, I can see those them either doing things. that, mm -hmm. or I could see them saying, Hey, I can make $120,000 a year working mm -hmm. in the city for a company going into an office every single day with a super high cost of living because I live in the city. Mm -hmm. Or I can take a job that's 75000 a year. Yeah, it's a huge pay cut, but my cost of living goes way down because I'm not living in the city. I'm not yeah, paying, yeah, I'm now yeah, not paying yeah. $3,000 a month for rent. I'm paying, I'm paying 1200 12, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I think a lot of people might start to realize that and go, you know what? So yeah, it's less of a salary. However, I can live a better life. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, I think a lot of us kind of just want we just want to be happy, right? Mm. A lot of people think money is the answer. And when generally it's, it's not, but you still money is kind of can determine happiness in situations, right? And if your your cost of living goes way down, and your your income to debt ratio or debt to income ratio goes down, generally, you're going to be a little bit happier, because you're going to have a window where you can say, okay, if anything happens, I can do this and or I could go take my wife out to dinner once a week. You know, I could buy my kid that extra um, baseball bat to become the next MLB player. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I, I, I like realize that. Yeah, I like that point. And I like the, the that almost in any in any situation uh, is if you're talking solely about like happiness wise, uh, how many people who are just buy a ton of stuff and get money and start spending it on everything. And they feel fantastic for that month, that three months, that four months that they, they got their money. But then once it's gone, they're like, uh Oh, now I'm struggling again. Life's hard again. I gotta work hard again. I gotta do all these things again. Right. And, and, and if you're, if you're talking about jobs, I mean, if you make 40, $50,000, what's the average, probably around $50,000 in the U S Oh, 40,000? Probably family income, like total household income. Well, I'm talking about a single or, person. Single oh, person single probably. person. I think it's much lower. I think it's like 30. 30? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're the average person, uh, I think Brian's going to look it up right now. But if if you're an average person, you're just making what you make. 59. 59? Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you could live. That's household. That's household. So oh, 59, household. So, probably yeah. closer to around 30 then. Yeah. Roughly 30. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're making $30,000 and you are trying to live a Instagram life where you're spending 60000 and you're spending a ton of money, 33000 okay, yeah. and you're spending all this money and buying all these things that you don't need, you you start to struggle and you start to fit, sit there and say, why don't I have this or why can't I get this? You hear that all the time, right? Or that person's life looks so great or I can't take this trip. I can't do this. And it's like, well, if you lived within your means a little more. I mean, I think we're all guilty of this at one point in our life or another of Do you talk about a platform means, right? alone that has just increased consumerism 
Is that a word? Consumerism? I think so, yeah. Consumerism. So talk about just a single platform that's like quadrupled 100 times. Instagram. Not only ads, but you have these people on there that I got Brittany who I don't know doesn't really travel the world every single day, but she went to four different countries over a summer and took a thousand, thousand photos yeah. and now posts yeah. them every other day. Yeah. So it looks like she is. Yeah. And then she switched up her outfit, you know, 45 times in those thousand photos. So now I think she's got like a closet bigger than a store, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that throws people off too. And they feel like the need to kind of, the Jack and Jill, dude, yeah, to keep yeah, up, yeah, yeah, keeping up yeah. with you know. So I, I feel like, I, and I, I think it's it's a mixture of that and then the ease yeah. of purchasing, because it, you can click one button now and all your information saved. Boom! I bought something. It feels great for that <laughs> that five minutes until you buy something, buy something, buy something, buy something, buy something. And go oh shoot. But it's so easy to do it because you see the other people who have these things and you're like, oh, wow, look how happy they are in that picture. They look so fantastic. They have this and that. Wow, they look so great and all of that different type of stuff. And you sit there and you start to, it's just, I think it's normal to feel a little bit jealous. Like when somebody has something nicer than you, right? Yeah. You're, you're kind of like, oh, wow, I wish I had that. Like you don't usually sit there and go, that person sucks. I hate them. I'm going to steal it from them. But uh, you, you have that little sense of, it's like an ego smash where you're like man they're, they're doing this cooler thing or they have this cooler thing i wish i had that uh and i think I mean, we're, we're getting a little bit off topic here but i don't know man i think, I think it's, it's topic. We, ta- we we uh we made this month all about saving september so mm-hmm. kind of rolls into our our month here and pretty much what i think what we're what we're both getting at is uh we all have the the sense that to need more than the the next person mm-hmm. yet when we get in hard times we might not have it much so we might possibly get into those hard times make sure you're saving every dime you can even even if it's simple things like hey you know what rather than eating lunch out every single day i'm only going to eat out three four times a day or three mm-hmm. four times a week you know yeah it's probably still a little much but cut back a little bit and just say just save that extra penny because especially with the market we're going to we could go back into a boom right we could be going straight back into a boom and things are doing great or we could head right into a bust and you guys will have time dry and at the end of the day we want to see you guys financially successful and, and set up to succeed we don't want you guys sitting there wishing man i didn't get that extra coffee yeah i wish i didn't take lunch 40 times this year yeah and buy 40 400 worth of of lunches and it's little things like that like these are it's cliche it is like it's cliche to say like oh don't do this or save this money here or penny pinch here like it is cliche but it works and there's a reason there's a reason it's cliche and there's a reason it works you start saving money. One, you feel really good. I don't know how, about you, but I feel really good when I see like a couple thousand dollars in my account that I'm like, I'm a bank account that I'm like, well, wow, like I yeah. could have easily spent all this and I really wanted to, but I didn't. Came a long and, way. And yeah, and it feels really nice. Uh, but I think with that, I think this is, these are things that I, I definitely want to talk about a lot more too and talking about budgeting and talking about certain things like that, uh, that 
kind of comes, I, I think most people, as you start to get older, you start to actually think about it and realize like, oh, wow, maybe I should be budgeting my money, right? Yeah. And I think those are things that I definitely love to talk about more, uh, start posting about a little bit more. And I think that would be helpful for, for most people, especially younger people, if you're watching the podcast and you're in our average range for about 23 to 27-year-olds, uh, I think that would be something that might benefit for everybody. Uh, but I think that might be it for today. Yeah, we'll probably sounds good. I think we'll yeah. uh, we'll keep keep you posted on our Instagram. We haven't posted much, but uh, we're still trying to figure that whole thing out in mm-hmm. terms of mm-hmm. keeping it interesting for you guys. But we'll get stuff up on there, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about budgeting on here throughout the saving September. We still have you know a little over half the month left, so mm-hmm. we'll keep you guys posted. And uh, I've been Brian, and I've been Nate. Let's get liquidated, baby.